Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have with me a woman who is talking about something that I've encountered, my children encounter, and many encounter, even through adulthood, and it is something that needs to come to a stop. It has progressed into a, uh, I would, I'll say hate crime. Um, it's something that we need to talk about. So I'm ready to have this conversation today. It is long overdue. And I want to introduce to you listeners, Daliana Rivera. Hey, Hi. Daliana. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you because just in talking to you, I, I'm interested to hear your perspective. Um, you have a vast background. Um, you're educated. You, um, you have ethnic background. You, you're somebody that I would love to continue to talk to, but I want you to explain to listeners or, or introduce yourself to listeners, tell them who you are and a little bit about your background, because I think it's going to be really important for them to understand how your background plays into your, your mission. So can you tell them who you are? Yeah, so my name is Aliana Rivera, but most people call me Dali, and I'm a diversity and anti-bullying coach, um, and let's see, gosh, there's so much in my background, <laughs> where to start, so, um, okay, so first of all, the reason I chose to go this route with my business is because of personal experience, I, I moved from Nicaragua to California at the age of seven and experienced a lot of bullying, and a lot of um, a lot of it stemmed from the ignorance about knowing the differences of other people, and that evolved into bullying, and it really shattered me as a kid because I was so bright and very very good at math and pretty much every topic. I actually skipped uh, two grades in Nicaragua because you can do that over there if you're that good. <laughs> And then I came to the U.S. and they knocked me back down. I think I started in fourth grade, and I felt, I felt like, what the heck? I'm, I'm better than this, you know. But I was labeled the, you know, not very smart kid because I simply didn't know the language. So that just catapulted like other things to happen by other kids called name calling by pretty much everyone everyone including latinos um because uh, you know california is so immersed in mainly uh mexican nationality so a lot of people would ask me where i was from and they and i would tell them nicaragua and they would say oh well what, what part of mexico is that <laughs> and i would you know i'd have to explain that is nowhere near Mexico. That's way below Mexico. It's in Central America. But um, yeah, so that, that, um, that was my first experience with bullying. And uh, then I joined the military. Um, I joined the army and with the intention of doing only three years and ended up being 10. And I loved it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, I had to convince my mom because I wanted to be this rebel girl that didn't want to do what all the girls used to do, you know, get like some office job. I said, I want to do something exciting. I want to do something to show uh, people that I can do this, you know, like from having come from like such a shy, uh, shy kid that got knocked down by little other little kids all the time. I just, I knew I just wanted to prove it to myself that. I wasn't what they thought I was, you know? So yeah, I, um, 
I joined the military. I ended up having amazing experiences despite of some hurdles I had. And one of the things that I saw in there was also bullying, which was crazy because, I mean, it was bullying based off of gender stereotypes or ageism or race and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, I grew up going to church all the time. And my mom would always tell me that good people receive good things. But then I go out into the world and it was like I was put from having been inside a bubble to this melting pot of chaos. And I remember feeling so distraught and shocked about what I was seeing and how people behaved and how people treated me. Um, and as I gained, you know, rank, I saw some kids who were just entering the military who needed some guidance and I gave it to them because my, in my mentality, I always thought, gosh, I wish somebody would have told me this. I wish I would have known. I wish I would have had more options. I wish that somebody would have just taken me by the hand or at least said, hey, you know, you got these options too. And, um, and that's where I, I think that's what, where I realized what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew there was no job out there that truly encompassed what I wanted to do. There was no um, name for this job. So when I got out of the military, I, I continue to see that bullying with kids and adults and um, what really, really made me decide to do something about it was when my five-year-old back then uh, went, started kindergarten, she got on the bus, a little boy asked her to, to go out with him and be his girlfriend, and she said no. And, uh, and then she comes home and she said, Mommy, this boy, he's, he's bullying me. I said, well, what is he doing? Well, he tried to kick me and he called me B-word and some other names. And I said, this other five-year-old did that to you? You know, that's crazy because I thought, I, you know, I thought that I would have to deal with this until, I don't know, end of elementary school or high school or something like that. So my husband and I would always walk over to the bus stop and we started paying more attention. And the boy had two older siblings that would ride the bus with him. And they would grab him from behind. One of them would grab him from behind and punch him. He would tell them, like, you got to man up. You got to, you know. And, he'd uh. say all and the other boy would laugh at him and say horrible things. And, you know, at that instant, though, I was so mad at that little boy because he had tried to kick my daughter a few times. I felt extremely sad for him because he was only five. A five-year-old boy getting pretty much forced to believe the false idea of masculinity. Yep. And I thought, oh my gosh, toxic masculinity live right here at the bus stop. What mm -hmm. the heck? Because a lot of people think, ah, kids don't know that stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, they don't know the name for it. It's learned. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought, I've got to teach women's studies to these kids because that's my major. <laughs> 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 and I thought, wait, wait, I can't just go out and start teaching kids what toxic masculinity is and, you know, all this stuff. So I said, you know, I'm going to do some more research uh, because the other side of that story is that I try to get help from my baby. And the bus driver said, well, I can't do anything because the kids are too afraid they won't speak up. And so I'd go to the principal and say, hey, the bus driver won't do anything. I need you to intervene. She said, oh, no, I can't. It's out of my hands. 
it has to be by the bus company. They have their own protocols. And I was so ticked off because as a parent, you think the principal is in charge because uh -huh. guess the school district hired them. Therefore, you are in charge of making it happen. Uh -huh. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. Luckily, after a year, after a year, the kids finally got kicked off the bus because it got so bad. All these other little kids just had enough and they were brave enough to come and, and come forward and say, hey, yeah, he's been doing this enough for a long time. And that little victim, that five-year-old that was harassing the little girls, he got worse. And, you know, I could see the shame. I could see the pain his frustration. I, he actually cried a few times when his brothers were bullying him right there in front of everybody. And I remember my husband would get so mad. He's like, hey, stop it. That's your brother. Don't treat him like that. <laughs> you know? And hey, cut it out. He, you know, um, it was just horrible. But through that experience, I, I just started doing more research about bullying. And that led to other things, you know, like how to teach kids how to dispel the stereotypes that they're learning. And how early are these children learning these stereotypes? And I was shocked when I learned that research shows that by the age that they're two or three, they already pretty much know bias and stereotypes. Because if you think about it, when we have baby showers, we're already assigning a color to them. Uh -huh. And when they come out of the hospital, they're, they're either in a pink or a blue blanket. Uh -huh. And when we choose toys for them, you can see a spectrum of color, you know, um, it's either like all the blues and darks and blacks, or it's like the, the pastels and pinks and whites for girls, you know? So <clears throat> we don't realize what we're teaching our kids, um, but they're learning something of it. I remember uh -huh. another a situation that happened uh, I had a, a few friends over with some kids, their kids that were about the same age as my kids, they were about six at the time. And they had the little chairs that are all different colors. My daughter was sitting on a blue chair. The little boy was sitting on a pink one. Another one was sitting on a yellow one. And the, the boy sitting on the pink chair, <clears throat> he completely just stopped the project we were doing. We were doing like some paint crafting stuff. And he got up and he's like, oh my gosh. He says, Nadia, you gotta get out of that chair. You got to give me that chair. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, I'm a boy. I can't sit on a pink chair. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. So that all of those little things, like starting from my childhood and what I saw in the military, some guys that were amazing leaders, if they just didn't look the part, the part of like being that strong, masculine, buff guy, man, they would get picked on and harassed and you know, it's everywhere. You know? I, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here picking apart your story because you mentioned that this little boy had pain. And we all know that that's where a lot of the bullying comes from. It's pain. And bullying's about power. And I, my story's similar to yours because I moved from New York to Florida when I was 12. And everybody said I talked funny. I talked proper. I was too white to be black. And that was my whole life, you know. And so I'm, I'm sitting here typing notes. I'm like, colorism. I mean, these are things that so many of us go through. And then you did exactly what I did. I became a correction officer and you went into the military. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when you were this beat up child, it's getting it from different directions, from life. You walk out your door of safety. So you think, 
and go out here into the world and you have this expectation of, you know, homeostasis, you know, it's not supposed to be toxic. It's not supposed to be violent. We're supposed to go out here and learn. We're supposed to go out here and love, you know, like love on people and get along and have friends and, and develop and, and thrive. But we're, we're out here going to battle, you know, just in our communities, going to school every day. I mean, I go through the same thing with my three kids. My 13 year old just got jumped in our own neighborhood and told that it's their turf. And I'm like, um, really? I mean, this is, it's sad that we are even going through this. But another thing that you talked about is institutionalization and how people think that they have no idea what is going on in institutions. And my experience in the Department of Corrections is so similar to yours in the military because I had to get out because I couldn't believe what was going on when I went to work. It was just, it was horrible. And people don't talk about it. People don't want to talk about it. If you talk about it, then you're the problem. And, you know, it just, you know, a lot of people escape their situations and go to these, these jobs that are supposed to be secure and safe and, you know, profitable, not only monetarily providing for your family, but to gain knowledge, to become leaders. But the things that you have to go through to, to even do that, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's interesting how many of us have the education. Some don't, but the things that we learn in school that we can apply to these situations, because I'll tell you, when I first started my master's, I was trying to figure out what is institutionalized uh, and organizational psychology. I'm like, what is, what is that? Like, who yeah, would need that? You know, but you break these concepts up. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most people don't hear about it. No. And they don't know that there are things designed to fix these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, you also talked about the fact that nobody is ever willing to solve the problem or address the problem. The buck is continuously passed. And the more we privatize things, the bigger that gap becomes, the loopholes. They get bigger because nobody, there's no chain of command. It's, you know, well, no, it's them or no, it's their contract or it's theirs, you know, just trying to solve a problem and go up there. We used to be able to go to the school and they had say so over everything. You go to one place and you know, everybody knew what was going on. And that's just, it's not our reality anymore. Right. Yeah. So you, we have to teach our children about these topics. We have to talk about them, not in a, hey, let's sit down and talk about institutionalized <laughs> racism. They're like, what the heck is that? We're like, you know, like, let's talk about colorism within, you know, like our own ethnicity. <laughs> you're right they're like what what are you talking about what do you mean yeah so so what I teach is uh, (laughs) I started doing workshops and and I teach kids in a fun way because this is a dark topic and a lot of people are not willing to talk about it because they're scared to talk about it because not only will it it might trigger something on some kids and parents Mm -hmm. Or it might make them very uncomfortable. And sometimes even in those workshops, I've had parents where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm the bully. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I've said that to myself before. Yeah, yeah. I'm always telling myself. <laughs> it's hard. Sometimes you're just saying things out loud. You don't mean for it to be mean. You know, it's just trying to like not ignore it. Because I think a lot of people avoid because dealing is hard. It's not easy and it is work and you have to be, you have to commit to it because if you're going to, you know, draw attention to something, you got to be willing to follow it through to the end, to the resolution. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to do that and it could be harmful. It could hurt, 
but that's part of the healing process. And I think a lot of people also, I know for me, I've moved my children several times to get out of situations. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. And they think that I'm impulsive or they think that I'm unstable, you know, unstable. And I'm like, no, but I can choose what I give my children access to. I, I had these children, it's my job to protect them. And if I can't change the situation, I can change the access that that situation has on them. You, I, I love that. I wish so many people, so many parents would have the courage to do that because I understand that we're, when you're already in a tight financial situation, it makes it seem even more impossible to move your children. But it's, it's like this. It's either you risk your child getting hurt or joining a gang or getting shot because for life right or or disabled for life they were you have to take care of them because some they were in an altercation that they were not supposed Mm -hmm. to to be in or Mm -hmm. struggle financially you'll be tight but you'll you'll be alive and they'll be alive you'll have them it's just a matter of choosing which sacrifice do you want to make and Mm -hmm. also talking to your kids I mean, because of the military, I always tell kids the buddy system. Because in the military, you got to have a buddy at all times, right? And I tell them, you know, like, you, you, we live in a world where we just have to watch each other's backs. You can't live alone. You, right. you can't live life alone. I tell people that all the time. You have to have a village. You have to collaborate. You have to, you are not designed to withstand life alone. Doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if it's in business, in life. It doesn't have to be your spouse, but it just, you always need to have somebody, you know, just that you can bounce things off of, that you can talk to, that you can vent, that can, you know, know where you are. You know, a lot of people don't get that. And I was taught that as a kid. Like my mom taught me, you go with who you left this, you come back with whoever you left the house with. Like, that's just the thing. Like, do not come back without whoever you left the house with. Oh, yeah. You know? I remember my dad, because there was, it's six of us. I'm the oldest. So <clears throat> all that, um, the pressure was on me. They were like, if you go to school and you walk home together, you better come back together. And I remember getting some whoopings because I got so tired of my sisters walking like a snail, carrying another snail up a mountain that I would just leave her behind. And I'd get home and he was like, you left your sister? What have I told you? You know, unity. You are uh, uh-huh. out for each other, and and I teach that to kids now because whether it's going from one classroom to another, you just don't know when somebody has the ill will to hurt you. They will find a way, especially when you're alone. And nowadays, mm-hmm. we're in a world where you need a witness. So yep. I created a bullying incident report that people can download and they subscribe on my website. Um, it's on dollytalks.com. So I created it because I encountered a lot of parents who didn't know how to submit a report and how to present the facts. And I also volunteer with school districts, uh, at school districts and schools and the principals and, and I, we, we all talk about this issue. And they've, they told me, you know, the thing is a lot of parents don't have all the facts. So it makes it really hard to advocate and, or to find a good solution because yeah, you have one story here and you have another story there, but sometimes, you know, of course kids lie, but if you start asking all these questions and filling in all the answers to this, you know, in this report, it'll really help you gather better facts present uh-huh. to the school, and always keep record. Always, I tell parents, it doesn't matter if it was one incident and it was very minor. 
you jot it down. You get a, a one of those dollar store little uh, journals, uh -huh. whatever. Write down today at 10.25 a.m., my child told me that so-and-so called them a slur. You know, or, you know, I reported it to this teacher. Teacher said she's going to get back to me in a reasonable amount of time. Keyword, reasonable amount of time. A lot oh, of people God. abuse this. And they think, eh, a week or so. It's actually supposed to be 24 to 48 hours according to school policies. And if within that time you don't hear back, you call back and say, hi, on such and such day, I reported this Following to the teacher. Yeah. You have to be your own child's advocate because you know what? Nobody cares like your child like you do. Nope. And it's not theirs. It's not personal to them. So there is no emotional attachment. It's just another day at work, you know? And I think another thing that you, you probably teach people is to know your rights yes. because so many times people do not advocate for themselves or others because they don't know their rights. And I think we have to stay informed because everybody feels like it's not their right to, to advocate for themselves. I mean, for disability, you know, and, and for children. I mean, this is a vulnerable population and, and this isn't only for children. This is for elderly, for disabled, for I mean, I work in all the, the vulnerable populations and it's my thing because I'm trying to teach people to learn how to advocate for themselves because people think that, that they don't have a right to speak up. Mm -hmm. They do. And you know what? Um, the thing is that, so for instance, in the case of bullying at schools, if you are a parent who wants to just be informed, did you know you could just go to the principal and say, hi, I want to read your school policy on bullying. Can you explain it to me? And they should, if you have a good principal or assistant principal, even the counselor at school can do this, sit down with you and explain how it works. And you can tell them it's because I'm concerned because my child got bullied in the past or, you know, whatever. I need to know my rights. You can also go to PTO or PTA, the Parent Teacher Organization or the Parent Teacher Association, and you can propose, hey, we should have like a family night out about, about you know, our rights as parents to protect our kids in school. And they, that can happen. I mean, and also, you know, if you have food, they will come. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. PTO has the funds to do that. And if they don't have the funds to do that, you can propose, hey, let's do a small fundraiser so we can have some food so that they will come so we can talk about this topic. The other thing, you, to, yeah. I the was gonna say, depending upon what school board you're in, they should have that policy online, and you should be able to download the bullying the bullying form. Every school is supposed to have a form where all you do is fill it out and you give it to them, and they have to investigate, right? Right, that's right. They also have now a lot of school districts in the parent portal on the school unified school districts website. There's usually a section that says parents and below it says volunteering, bullying, whatever. There's a portal, an online portal, portal. Ooh, I cannot say that word today. But um <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you submit your complaints if they're modernized. They might go old school and have the paper format. But at the beginning of each school year, they send certain forms that you are supposed to sign and I hope that you do. They probably hound you if you don't. And if you haven't read it, most parents don't read it. But actually, one of those forms is their policy on bullying and harassment. And a mm -hmm. lot of parents don't realize that they mm -hmm. just find it in the back of their child. And that's their golden nugget right there. And they don't, they're not reading it. 
Uh-uh. You can do that too, you know. And also know that schools actually hate it when bullying incidents happen because that just adds more to their plate. And they do pride themselves for the most part on having a safe school. So when you go to a school and don't go with your mama and papa bear attitude, although I know we all have it, just suppress it a little bit. You know, don't go trying to eat them up and tear them, tear them into the shreds. But go to them and say, hey, I want to work with you on this issue because my child is being bullied. And I'm concerned. And I know that if we don't address it, another child's going to get hurt. And that's going to be a lot more work for you and for me. So make it amicable. You don't have to go defensive. I know that you'll want to tear up that kid's butt who <laughs> messed with your baby. <laughs> but just know you'll go to jail. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I'm laughing internally because when it comes to this, I am the one that they keep away. My daughter keeps me away because she says, you don't want to meet my mom. She doesn't even tell me things. Because by the time that I've allowed the school to address it and they haven't, by the time I go up there, it's no longer amicable because I know my rights. Mm -hmm. And so I go in there guns blazing because I'm like, you know that I know Mm -hmm. that I know what you were supposed to do with this and you didn't do it. So now we have a problem because it has escalated when you were supposed to handle this because I know that my daughter got bullied and they suspended my daughter and not the five girls that were bullying her. And they did it. They changed her schedule. That's what it was. They changed her schedule. And I said, she's gifted, has straight A's, but you changed her schedule instead of interrupting these five girls' schedules. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you think that that comes across to her? You know what that was about. Oh, let's do the one instead of all five because it's easier for us, which sucks. But you can also, of course, go back and argue that and try to get, you know, get it fixed. But You know, the other thing that I always tell parents is talk to your child and together come up with a solution. And and I know that this sounds crazy, but the reason is because a lot of kids won't tell their parents because they know that their parents are like, my daughter's like, oh my gosh, if somebody does something, I know that my daddy's going to go to jail because he's going to go and kill someone. I'm like, girl, no, he talks all that game. He's that's all. And in the back of my mind, it's like, ooh, I hope I'm right. <laughs> because, you know, some parents just look out. So I hope mine is sane enough to stay out of jail. But <laughs> it's the truth, though, because it's, just, it's, it's unnecessary. I mean, if things were handled the way they should be, and if people were proactive instead of reactive, we wouldn't have these kind of problems. And the thing that they think is that by ignoring bullying, they think that it's going to go away. It doesn't. It escalates. There is a big difference between those two outcomes. And it just goes on and on and on, and it becomes a cycle. And we are trying to break cycles, so therefore we have to address things as they come up. Can you tell listeners about your blog? Because you actually give free information, you educate people. Can you talk more about this? Because I think that this applies to everybody. I don't think anybody is not affected by bullying, whether they're a child, whether they're an adult, whether, you know, whoever. Um, can, you, can you talk more about that? Sure. Yeah, so I usually blog once a week, um, and I choose any topic related to bullying, diversity, just parenting tips overall. Um, They're not usually directly um, connected to bullying. It's just anything that can help children, like self-confidence, you know, passion projects, Um, what else, like uh, helping other friends, choosing good friends, which is 
vital, you know, especially to, to um, loving oneself and eventually picking a, a life partner. It's just so, there's so much that goes into it. But I also have a resources tab um, that has a lot of statistics on it. And I actually need to update it and add some more. But one of the things I tell parents is, you know, just think about this. There are 160,000 kids every single day in the United States who don't go to school simply because they're avoiding a bully. And that's a lot. And you know what? I remember I was one of those kids because there were moments where I just absolutely dreaded having to go to school because I knew what was going to happen. It was going to be either about how I dressed or my accent because I was learning English or it was going to be about my hair or because I was super tanned and they were telling me I wanted to cross over to the black side. And I mean, kids were brutal. They were like, <laughs> they told me, oh my gosh, so many. I mean, I look back now and laugh. I'm like, I can't believe these smart, but <laughs> the and sad then, thing is some of the stuff that they, these kids channeled it, it yes. would be, they're smart, but they're, it is ignorance because they, they find humor and, and, and negativity and things when they're really, they're really um, curious. Yeah, they are. And they also hear it in jokes and in music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to that, don't make it boring and sit them down and say, we're going to talk about colorism today. You know, just do it in a fun way. Like if you're watching TV and you see something that you think you can make a, a lesson out of it, you're like, wow, isn't that something that, uh, okay, so this is one that I recently did with, because of Kevin Hart's uh, joke about the, the gate joke, he got in trouble for it. Yeah, so I remember, you know, it came up on the news and my girls, they're 11, 12, and they're watching and they're like, I love Kevin Hart, like, yeah, he's so funny. I said, you know, when he did that joke about, you know, the, the gay joke and about his little boy, I was so surprised people didn't come out the woodworks trying to, you know, like, just murder him online, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know do you get why why you know people are so mad and they were like you were yeah my older one said and the little one's like um i guess i kind of do and so i just made that into just a conversation and they just went with it they were like oh this was really interesting and you know i was like wow just to think that a joke can be taken that seriously and i tell them you know yeah you just gotta be careful who you say stuff to and what you say because it can come back and bite you in the butt you know Absolutely. So just like that, just if you're watching something or you hear some kind of um, some kind of a, a slur or a joke on TV, you know, just have that conversation and then check out the resources on my web uh, my website. I, I have um, you know, quite a few things, and you can actually download the um, bullying incident report on the right hand side on the top you just enter your first name and your email and you'll get it in your inbox and you'll also get every time i post a blog every sunday you'll get a notification i don't harass people i don't send like tons of emails about <laughs> nonsense because you know how sometimes you're like oh, so really that's what they do but i don't want to subscribe because they're gonna bombard me with all this stuff <laughs> and the thing is, I don't either. Like people are like, "Do you have a newsletter?" I'm like, "I only ha I only email people when I need to tell them something." Because <laughs> you know? I want them to stay subscribed. I don't want you to think that it's just going to be stuff innocuously. Like it, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that because I know that I don't read it. So, yeah. you know, well, me, I'm going to add. Hmm? Give me just a second. I'm going to close the window because it's noisy. Okay. 
Okay, so I'm going to add the descriptions, your email, I mean, not your email, your website and all the information. Do you have any last words, last tips that you want to tell listeners? Uh, yeah, so I have started my Dali Talks show on Facebook every Friday night at 6 p.m. And my Facebook page is, you know, facebook.com forward slash Dali Talks. And I'd love for you to join me and uh, join the conversations. I'm going to have a wonderful person on, Aisha Murphy, who happens to be a good friend of mine. Um, she's going to talk to us about helping kids cope with death. And this comes from a personal experience she had. And she said, you know, I wish people knew more about this because some people were insensitive when her father died and she was a kid. So I said, you know what, Aisha, we need to talk about this because it's such a taboo to not talk about death. Yep. And it would be so helpful for kids' peace of mind and to move forward and to mm-hmm. allow them to mourn. So this Friday at 6 p.m., Pacific Standard Time on Facebook. And I also go on live every when, every Monday at 11 a.m. And uh, um, uh, so I, I do this live with my friend uh, Keisha. Her handle is uh, at um, Abundantly Authentic. She's a girls' confidence coach. I know <laughs> Keisha. She was on your show. Yeah, I've known Keisha from since I started my business. I have oh, her book. Yeah. yeah, her book is, I love her book, and I can't wait till she comes out with that high school edition one. So yeah, so her and I go on at 11 a.m. on her page every Monday, and then at 11.30, we go on to my page. My handle is at Dolly Talks, and we talk about a different topic each week, and we hope to see you all join the conversations and ask questions, and we're welcome, we welcome any suggestions. If you're just curious about something, we are the perfect people, and just like you, to go research it, find that answer, and share it with the world. That's what That's I'm right. All right, listeners. Well, she just broke down bullying for you, and she told you it's time to talk about it. We need to stop, stop avoiding it and talk about it and be about it because it affects all of us, and it's just getting worse. So check out her website, her Facebook all of her social media, follow her as well as Keisha Montflory at Abundantly Authentic. And I'll make sure to put all the details in the uh, description. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. I am Anika Wilson. Stay powerful.